Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. How the hell are you? Good to be back with you. It is the 31st of January 2022. Winter, well, it's uh, two-thirds of the way through. I know, I know, I know. It's how I see things. December, January, February. It's how I see it. Are you in good form? Have you had a good weekend? No, don't bitch to me. Welcome to the programme. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. You can bitch to me if you want through the website, richieallen.co.uk. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. In around 35 minutes' time, I will be taking your phone calls and your Skype calls. Yes, didn't do it last week because I was unwell with uh, the winter vomiting bug, but I'm quite a good bit better than I was last week. Should have done a phone in then. I'm packed with guests for the rest of the week, so I decided that I would open the telephone and Skype lines today. I'll give you the details shortly. In fact, I'll give you the details right now, even though the lines won't be open for a while. Here's the details then. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. 0161818 The phone if you're calling inside the UK or outside the UK plus 44. 1618182018, but the best way to do it is to use Skype. Chat with Richie, all one word. I'll play that again in a few minutes' time. Yes, the winter vomiting thing. I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape, I don't mind telling you. The immortal words of Rodney Dangerfield was pretty shabby. Anywho, there's a bit to talk about, so without further ado, let's talk about stuff. Um, phone in, yeah, phone in coming. Uh, Sue Gray's report into Downing Street parties. Well, it's finally arrived. Hallelujah! Don't get excited. It hasn't really, it hasn't really arrived. Some, some information has been given to Downing Street and to the government. It's an update. It's an update. Much of it has been held back because of criminal investigations pending. Okay. So, Sue Gray. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read from the BBC. I'll read you the BBC's official report into the, into the whole thing. She's blamed a failure of leadership for allowing parties to take place in Downing Street when the country was under strict lockdown. In long-awaited findings, the senior civil servant says some events should not have been allowed to take place. Gray has investigated 16 separate separate even gatherings, including three that were not previously known about. But they are now. But she dealt with four of them in this update to the Prime Minister. He went to Westminster, he went to the House of Commons this afternoon to issue a statement on the update and he said he was sorry for the things we didn't get right and sorry for the way the matter has been handled and he promised the shake-up of the way Downing Street is run. That's what he did. I'm going to change the way things are done round here, he said. Blamed the system, you see. Twasn't me. He said he'll create new jobs 
to bring more oversight to Number 10 and to the Cabinet Office. Create a raft of new roles. People to make sure the rules are followed. It wasn't his fault, you see. That was the approach. It's known universally as the twasn't me approach. Twasn't me. Remember that old Eddie Murphy gag about the guy who gets caught in the act of cheating by his wife? She barges in while he is still inside his mistress. Wife barges in and he still denies it. That's the Boris Johnson approach. <laughs> twasn't me. But I can see you. Twasn't me. Here's a little bit of the exchange between him and Starmer today. It's noteworthy because of Johnson's response to Starmer's response to Johnson's statement. Did that make any sense? Johnson makes the statement, the leader of the opposition gets to respond to it, and then the Prime Minister gets to respond to the response. Let's hear a little bit of Keir Starmer's response before hearing from Johnson, I think this is kind of amusing myself. Fraying the bond of trust between the government and the public, eroding our democracy and the rule of law. Margaret Thatcher once said, the first duty of government is to uphold the law. If it tries to bob and weave and duck around that duty when it's inconvenient, then so will the govern. Mr Speaker, To govern this country is an honour, not a birthright. It is an act of service to the British people, not the keys to a court to parade to your friends. It requires honesty, integrity and moral authority. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me that this Prime Minister's lack of integrity is somehow priced in, that his behaviour and character don't matter. I have never accepted that, and I never will accept that. Whatever your politics, whichever party you vote for, honesty and decency matters. Our great democracy depends on it, and cherishing and nurturing British democracy is what it means to be patriotic. There are members opposite who know that, and they know the Prime Minister is incapable of it. The question they must now ask themselves is what are they going to do about it? They can heap their reputations, the reputation of their party, the reputation of this country on the bonfire that is his leadership. Or they can spare the country from a Prime Minister totally unworthy of his responsibilities. It is their duty to do so. They know better than anyone how unsuitable he is for high office. Many of them knew in their hearts that we would inevitably come to this one day. And they know that as night follows day, continuing his leadership will mean further misconduct, cover-up and deceit. It is only they that can end this farce. The eyes of the country are upon them. They will be judged by the decisions they take now. Now, Johnson's response is interesting. He he only brings up Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. Mr Speaker, there's there's a reason why he said absolutely nothing about the report uh, that was presented uh, by by this government and later put in the Library of the House earlier on today. That is because, Mr Speaker, the report does absolutely nothing to substantiate the tissue of nonsense uh, he has just spoken. 
Instead, Mr Speaker, this, this Leader of the Opposition, a former Director of Public Prosecutions, Mr Speaker, he spent most of his time prosecuting journalists and failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile, as far as I can make out. What? He what? What did he fail to do? What? Instead, Mr Speaker, this, this Leader of the Opposition, a former Director of Public Prosecutions, Mr Speaker, he spent most of his time prosecuting journalists and failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile, as far as I can make out, Mr Speaker. He, Mr Speaker, chose to use, it, chose to use this moment, he used this moment, Mr Speaker, continually to prejudge a police inquiry. An amazing exchange. <laughs> Johnson laid the blame for the failure to capture Jimmy Savile squarely at the feet of Keir Starmer. Wow. And, astonishingly, none of this means anything. You know this, I know this. I'm not trying to, I don't know, I'm not trying to invest any of this with any meaning. Because it doesn't mean anything, it's just funny. But um, it was kind of astonishing that Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker, didn't stop Johnson and say, you better withdraw your previous remarks or I'll tell you to get out of the chamber. You can't just blame Keir Starmer for Jimmy Savile, Boris. Was that a Freudian slip of some sort? Some weird way, was it? I don't know. It was all very interesting anyway. Cinema, as they call it in France. Cinema, they say, what a scene. Mise-en-scene. Everything within the frame is telling a story. And the media are loving this. It's wonderful talk of parties while, while people were suffering and dying and sacrificing and not going to see the senior relatives in care homes and they were doing it for the good of the country while Johnson was partying like it was 1999. So today the media continued a theme, a theme which has been, we've seen over the last few weeks, dragging out random people, random people. Ordinary people, there isn't anything wrong with ordinary people. I am an ordinary man myself. So I am. I have no delusions of grandeur. I live in Salford in a council estate. I'm proud of it. So random people like us, ordinary folks like, and they drag them on, put them on Skype in their homes, and they get to complain about the things they were doing when Boris was partying. If During my commercial media days, somebody had told me that we would be hearing this sort of crap on the media. I wouldn't have believed it. Donna was dragged out by Sky News. Go on, Donna. Uh, The presenter is Sarah Jane Mead. Donna, I want to allow you the time to remind people what you were doing on your birthday in the pandemic when the Prime Minister was having cake. What were you doing now, Donna? on your birthday during the pandemic when the Prime Minister was having cake, asks Sarah Jane me. (laughs) It depends, Sarah Jane, on exactly what time the Prime Minister sat down to his cake and his cup of tea. Yeah, this is wonderful. Donna, I want to allow you the time to remind people what you were doing on your birthday in the pandemic when the Prime Minister was having cake uh, and have having happy birthday sung to him at, at different gatherings. They talk about the excessive consumption of alcohol. Sue Gray's phrase there. Remind us what you were doing while all this was going on behind me. Like, wow. Like many people, um, I was in a situation where my daughter had had her operation cancelled 
um, quite a few times because of the numbers in of COVID patients fill in the wards. And we had been backwards and forwards across country um, to, to arrive for the operation to happen. When it finally did, um, we literally had to get back in a, in a private taxi for four hours and come back down to where we were living at the time in Winchester. And um, Jesus, Donna, we didn't ask for your life story. <laughs> Just give us the cliff. No, give us, give us the basics. Skip to the end, Donna. Um, from that second on, I was on my own with my daughter, and you know, nursing her through a really traumatic situation, like many other people. And it was the trauma that surrounded all of this that I think hurt the most. You know, that whilst they were doing what they were doing, everybody else was traumatized. <laughs> While they were partying like there was no tomorrow, the rest of us were traumatised. To one degree or another, and we were in a terrible, terrible position. And we just had to just be steely and, and be strong. And we had no contact, no physical contact at all with anyone. And it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. You know, couldn't even hug my daughter because she was recovering in so much pain. And, and I needed a hug. I couldn't have one. Donna needed a hug. You know, and there was no one to allow me to, you know, go and have a drink on my birthday or anything else. There was no one to allow me to go and have a drink on my birthday. Ah, The leap, just make the leap, Donna, that it's all bollocks, basically. It's all bollocks. What, what is it, Kay? Complete bollocks. Absolute bollocks, right, Kay? Complete bollocks. It's bollocks. Every single, every facet of it. Oh, he was having parties and when I couldn't hug my daughter, he was having a second Jemison and Coke and he was having a sausage roll. It's all a bit mad. We'll leave Donna there for now. It's 14 minutes past five. This is the stuff of dreams. These, this, is, this is the stuff. These are the, the things that dreams are made of. <laughs> Reporting on this rubbish. What did I do to deserve it, dear listener? Did I do something in a previous life? I must have. I must have been a right bastard in a previous life. I mean, I'm, I'm a fair enough bastard now, like. In this life, you know, I must have been a proper bastard to deserve this. But anyway, that was Donna there. That was our Donna. You can comment on proceedings today by going to richieallen.co.uk. Comment live on the menu bar, Donna. What was that? What was that Richie Valen song? Donna. Oh, Donna. Yeah, that's the one. Now, the other big news today is the claim that the government will drop the vaccine mandate for NHS staff and social care workers. Now, this deserves a hallelujah. I was a boy soprano until my, my Leorody dropped into my undercrackers. So I was. When I was 14, my, my voice broke and I used to be able to sing like that. So what's going on? Well, it isn't official yet, but according to the Telegraph, and I nicked a bit of it and ran with it myself on richieallen.co.uk, multiple government sources have said that ministers are expected to end the requirement that patient-facing staff are double-jabbed. This is going to end, apparently, because the, the Omicron COVID variant is milder than the previous strains. That's what is being reported. And Sajid Javid, the health secretary, apparently had meetings today with health ministers, people who work at the health ministry. And between them, apparently, they thrashed out how to break this news. It's expected 
they will announce the dropping of the mandate for NHS staff and for social care workers before Thursday. They will need to do that because Thursday is the deadline. You know, staff who haven't been jabbed, with the vaccine mandate, they would need to have jab one on Thursday, February 3rd, right? Okay. But they probably won't need to have it now. So this is good news for people who have come on this programme to talk to us about their concerns, about being coerced into having the jab. We've spoken to many who've said they'll never have it and they're not happy to, not happy to, but will accept the loss of their job, of their jobs for not having the jabs. And you might want to get into that on the phone-in. Now, when I do open the phone lines, if you called into me just before Christmas or if you've called in regularly in the past, don't call in today. I want to hear new callers. And if you're working in the NHS and you're absolutely thrilled to bits that it's looking very much like the mandate is going to be dropped, please do drop me a line. Here are the details again, by the way. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. In about 20 minutes, sorry for leaving my mic up as I had a little cough there. So, that, so you might want to get in touch with me. So on this today, there were some interesting conversations. Obviously, the broadcast media went to town on the news that the mandate is going to be scrapped. So, got a couple of interesting exchanges for you. Here's one. Mirren Brewer is an NHS administrator. She spoke to Sky News today. She, she's being interviewed here by Kimberly Leonard. God only knows where Sky got Kimberly. Now, Mirren Leonard hasn't had the jab. She has no intention of ever having the jab. Here she is. Here she is. What's that? Oh, yeah. Here she is, the NHS administrator, speaking to Kimberly Leonard on Sky News today. Joining me now is a medical secretary for the NHS, Mirren Brewer, who is unvaccinated. Mirren, thank you so much for talking to us. Why haven't you had your vaccination? Um, first of all, the, one of the main reasons is that myself and my husband, we actually had COVID. So uh, we recovered with no problem from COVID and um, we therefore have natural immunity. Uh, we also have concerns regarding um, the actual side effects from the vaccination. There are some quite severe and concerning side effects that you can get with the COVID jab, um, which has obviously caused us some concern. We have relatives who have been very adversely affected by the immunisation, uh, one of which ended up in ITU for two months uh, within a couple of hours of having his third jab and another who had serious cardiac events, who, you know, was an otherwise very fit and healthy young man. So um, that's one one reason, but also um, because, you know, we, we have a right to, uh, you know, bodily autonomy and to be able to decide what we put into our body and our livelihood shouldn't be used as a threat against us when we don't choose to to have something that we don't want. Wow. Kimberly? 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 Where are you gone? 
Ah, she's still there. From what you're saying, even if your employer didn't um, mandate that you had to have the jab, it sounds like you wouldn't have it anyway. What? What did she say there? From what you're saying, even if your employer didn't um, mandate that you had to have the jab, it sounds like you wouldn't have it anyway. Of all the stupidest questions in the... What a ridiculous question. She just told her that two members of her family had very severe adverse reactions to the jabs, Kimberly. She's unlikely... To have wanted to have the jabs. Nothing to do with the NHS. Wow. Bet she was the top of her class, eh? Kimberly Leonard. What did she say to that? Oh, no, absolutely not, no. Um, It's not a vaccination that I personally feel would be of benefit to myself or to my husband. And we don't feel that uh, scientifically, um, according to the most recent studies that are coming out, that the... um, the transmissibility uh, between vaccinated and unvaccinated people is particular. You know, it's it's quite negligible. There's there's not really. I'm going um, mm. to jump in there. This is your employer, okay. the NHS. This is what they say about the vaccine. Um, anyone who gets COVID-19 can become seriously ill or have long-term effects. The COVID-19 vaccines are the best way to protect yourself and others. Research has shown the vaccines help reduce your risk of getting seriously ill or dying from COVID-19, reduce your risk of catching or spreading COVID-19, protect against COVID-19 variants. Well, most recent studies, including one from the CDC, actually shows that natural immunity is uh, better than vaccine immunity alone. they don't really know how long that natural immunity lasts, do they? Well, all, all I can say is that I know um, all the members of staff who are currently off sick and um, I know you know quite a lot of people who are triple vaccinated and have caught COVID um, again. Some people have had it, you know, before being vaccinated yeah, and now have had it again. Though, Amazing the way she has to keep jumping in, Kimberly Leonard, eh? Where do you think Sky News got Kimberly Leonard from? I'll tell you, it's a company called Bimbo 101. Hello, Bimbo 101. Yeah, it's Sky News. Can you send another one over, please? We're, we, we're, we're running out of bimbos over here. Idiotic bimbos. It's hilarious that. She's told her that the jabs nearly killed two of her relatives. Horrendous. Cardiac issues. Guy went into intensive care because of the jabs within an hour of having them. Or, or one of them. Or his third jab, if I remember. And then she says, listen, natural immunity. We have CDC studies now. It is better. And she keeps jumping in the presenter. We can't have people hearing the truth. From somebody working right in the middle of the so-called front line, the NHS. Isn't it really? It's about the severity. I mean, do you know people who have had COVID badly? She wouldn't make much of a lawyer. This is a stupid question by the presenter because it's opening the door again. Do you know anyone who's had COVID badly? She's just told her, the NHS woman has just told her, the triple vaccinated staff are off work because they're unwell. And the bimbo says... Do you know anybody yourself who's had COVID? Um, obviously, working in, in a hospital, uh, I, I, I don't personally know people personal, you know, to myself, people who, are, who I know personally. But obviously, I know, uh, you know, I, I work with nurses who worked on the COVID wards and, and saw the worst of it. So, of course, I understand how severe the virus can be. Um, however, we have to also consider that this is really a virus that, affects people who are vulnerable, have comorbidities and have, um, you know, maybe are older people, um, the worst. Mm. And uh, people who are quite healthy, fit, generally, if you have this vaccination, it's it's probably not going to be of great benefit to you 
if you've already, especially if you've already had COVID and now have natural immunity to to the virus. Fantastic. I've got to get permission to re-release, not to re-release, to cover Tom Jones' legendary sex bomb. Remember that sex bomb, sex bomb. Let's call it, let, let's do it. Let's do a version of that and replace sex with truth. Truth bomb. She was truth bombing Sky News today, the NHS woman. And Kimberly Leonard, God love her, the bimbo from Bimbo's 101, didn't know what to do. Don't open the door. They tell lawyers, they tell lawyers or barristers, here's one thing they tell them. I know a little bit about this, having studied, not studied law, I've never studied law. I studied libel law and I know libel law inside out. But studying barristers and and lawyers and how they do what they do, they tell them from day one, never ask a question of a witness unless you know for a fact what he or she is going to say. In open court or on live television, do not ask a question unless you know the answer. There's a lesson. There's Monday's lesson, children. 25 minutes past five. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. I don't love the fact that two of our relatives are nearly killed by the jabs. But I love the fact that I don't know why this is happening. Maybe you can tell me during the phone and maybe you don't care that some of this vaccine injury stuff is starting to come out in, in the national media, particularly the broadcast media. People are managing to talk about this stuff. Okay, the interviews are invariably they're, 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 or inevitably cut short, but, but they're still getting it out there. Like a lot of people would have heard that lady say uh, what she said which was, what exactly did she say? Let's just bring that back up again. She said something about, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. My husband, we actually had COVID, so uh, we recovered with no problem. Hell, this is Mirren. This is Mirren. What's her surname? I'm having one of those days. It's a Monday, isn't it? It's Mirren, Mirren, Mirren. What's her blooming name? Mirren Brewer, NHS administrator, yes. From COVID, and um, we therefore have natural immunity. Uh, we also have concerns regarding um, the actual side effects from the vaccination. There are some quite severe and concerning side effects that you can get with the COVID jab, um, which has obviously caused us some concern. We have relatives who have been very adversely affected by the immunisation, uh, one of which ended up in ITU for two months uh, within a couple of hours of having his third jab and another who had serious cardiac events, who, you know, was an otherwise very fit and healthy young man. So um, that's one one reason, but also um, because, you know, we, we have a right to, uh, you know, bodily autonomy. Of course you do. Brilliant. It's getting out there. Incrementally. We're hearing these things on on the mainstream broadcast media. And I I find it fascinating. People are hearing about it. But when I mean people, I mean people who would never listen to this programme or who have never heard of this programme. The vast majority of people, right? They're hearing this now. Terrible cardiac problems. They are aware that sportsmen and women have had problems after having these jabs. And it must be making a difference. When it comes to vaccine, let's never call it a vaccine, Baldy. When it comes to the uptake of the the booster jabs, it must be, I have no evidence to prove it is, I'm saying it must be having some effect. It's 27 and a half minutes past the hour. It's the Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, January 31st. I know that spring doesn't begin till mid-March. I know that. 
But as far as I'm concerned, we're two-thirds of the way through the winter. And we live in we live in these times now where if I believe that to be true, that's my lived experience and I'm going with it. I'm sticking with it. Staying on this news that the vaccine mandate for social care workers and for NHS workers is about to be dropped, which is great news for them and I'm very happy for those people. I really am. What about those who've been fired from social care jobs? Will they be welcomed back? With open arms? We'll have to wait and see. Did you lose your job as a social care worker? As a care worker, I should say. Are you a care worker? Did you lose your job because of the vaccine mandate? And are you now fuming, spitting feathers? Talk to me. Talk to me. Give me a Skype. Give me a call. I'll be opening the lines in around about 15 minutes time. Steve James is a critical care consultant, King's College, London, you will remember Dr. Steve James as the man who confronted the health secretary, Sajid Javid. Remember him? He confronted him and said, I've not had the jab. I don't need the jab. I've got natural immunity. I'm young. I'm healthy. Anyway, he did the rounds of the media today, did Steve James. He was on Sky News with none other than Kay Burley. Here's the exchange. Uh, why do you not want to have a jab? Kay is a subtle as a sledge, using a sledgehammer on a walnut, isn't she, Kay Burley? Uh, why do you not want to have a jab? Um, I never felt I would need to be vaccinated. Uh, I always thought that healthy people wouldn't have even be offered uh, the vaccine. It was going to go for vulnerable people. Um, I've never seen someone who's fit and well um, on intensive care. Um, I, know, I know some people have had serious problems from COVID who've been otherwise well. Um, and I assumed that it would be offered to uh, adults um, but never sort of given a message that everybody should take it and certainly not for healthy children. Is it not the social responsibility of healthy people to look after those who aren't? No, 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 Kay. No, 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 you daft ginger bint. Let's stay with his answer, Kay, because he just embarrassed you and all of your colleagues in the media. He said that at the very outset of this vaccine rollout, they said that the vaccines would be given to vulnerable people immunocompromised people, the very elderly, and we'll get through it. 15 million jabs to freedom. But then it kept moving down through the age groups, didn't it? Oh, well, maybe we should jab the over 60s. Let's do the over 50s now, the over 40s. And now it's come all the way down to children aged five and over K. Says Steve James. Not too subtle. What were you doing during this time period, Kay Burley, when they kept moving the goalposts? Ah, that's right. You were scratching your ginger arse. You weren't doing anything, really. You were hardly doing your job, like asking them, why did you tell us that these jobs were for the very old and the, the infirm and those most vulnerable to a respiratory infection? Why did you tell us that? And now why do you want to give healthy people the jobs? But of course, Barley didn't. Anywho, he said... I believe it's the, it's the social responsibility of healthy people to get natural immunity. I think it's much, uh, historically, much more likely to be long-lasting than a vaccine-induced immunity. This is fantastic stuff, this. I know one or two of you, you think, because I know one or two of you are incredibly paranoid, and you think that everything that happens on television is set up and it is acted out by crisis actors. I know there are some of you who believe that. I pity you. I know this 
has happened in the past. I know that situations have been engineered and I know that crisis actors are a real thing, but it's not the only thing. Real things do happen. This guy, Steve James, seems to me to be pretty real. He is a consultant at King's College in London and he's saying that which he believes to be true. And it is outstanding that which he is saying. Natural immunity exceeds far exceeds, far outweighs, in terms of its benefits, far outweighs so-called vaccine immunity. This is the truth bomb thing again. I believe it's the, it's the social responsibility of healthy people to get natural immunity. I think it's much, uh, historically, much more likely to be long-lasting than a vaccine-induced immunity. And I think studies are bearing that out now. Okay. But if they've contracted COVID, they could pass it on in that period of time that they potentially wouldn't have to the same extent if they had had a vaccination is the suggestion from the NHS. His answer to this is brilliant. Well, it's a suggestion. And there's some data showing that with Delta, there was some reduction for a few months uh, in the ability to transmit it. But you've got to remember one very key thing. Asymptomatic transmission is a uh, idea that came from computer model generation. It's not real world data. I want you to hear that again. At the very beginning of this scam, Anthony Fauci, who has advised the US government all the way through it, the Trump administration and now the Biden administration. Fauci acknowledged at the outset, I don't have the clip to hand, but I can find it if somebody doesn't believe me. Fauci said that basically there's no such thing as asymptomatic transmission. It doesn't happen. It's never been a driver of infection ever. Because if you've not got symptoms, and you're not coughing and sneezing, you're not giving anything to anyone. But the whole scam has been propped up on this idea of asymptomatic transmission, or at least the vaccine rollout and the necessity, or the stated necessity of rolling out vaccines has been propped up by the idea that you could be going around feeling that you're perfectly healthy, but in reality, you might be spreading a dirty, deadly disease. Now that's bollocks. Listen to Steve James again. Asymptomatic transmission is a uh, idea that came from computer model generation. It's not real world data. So if you're sick and you stay away from other people, you won't transmit it. Yes, asymptomatic transmission. What is it, Kay? Complete bollocks. Complete bollocks. What did Burley say to that anyway? What did she really say to what he just said there about asymptomatic transmission? Well, Burley does what, what, what media people do. She tried to confuse the issue. Do you want to hear it? She tries to confuse it just a little bit. What about if you don't know if you've got it? What about if you don't know that you've got it? Well, if you haven't got any symptoms, you're not transmitting it. Wow. OK, so you can't transmit COVID even though you don't have any symptoms because, again, that's not what we've been but told. If, if you're pre-symptomatic... So no, no, sorry, let me correct myself there. So if you're about to get symptoms but don't recognise it, that's possible. But in that tiny little window, we haven't got evidence showing that, at least not in a healthcare setting, that makes a difference. We know that in household contacts with Delta, recent uh, immunisation reduces that. But we haven't compared people who were previously exposed versus those who weren't exposed to corona, who had vaccines, who didn't have vaccines, and we certainly never tested it in a hospital setting. But as, as you point out there, Doctor, quite often you don't know you've got it until you've done the test. You see, this is beautiful. This is trying to confuse the issue completely and mislead the viewers away from to take them away from what he said, which is that asymptomatic transmission 
is nonsense. It's junk science. No, I didn't say that. Um, I said that most of the time um, you, when you have got symptoms, that's when you're transmitting. And when you haven't got symptoms, you're not transmitting. And there's a very small window where you're pre-symptomatic and go on. So if you, if you don't go on to get symptoms and you tested positive, you're not transmitting it. No, but you could have had, I don't know, runny nose, whatever the symptoms were when you had um, Omicron and, and certainly uh, when, it when it was the Delta variant. You don't know you've got it at that stage until you've done your lateral flow and then uh, confirmed by your PCR test. So in that window, you can infect other people, including the elderly. Yes, you, you can pass it on. But we know that with Omicron, it's very clear that that doesn't happen, that the vaccine doesn't protect you from onward transmission. We also know that it, with Delta, the transmission was only reduced for a few months post-vaccine. And we also know that that's not comparing people who've got natural immunity versus people who hadn't got natural immunity and got the vaccination. Yeah. The whole thing, really, I've said this right from the beginning, would be over in 15 minutes if one or two, got to say, BBC presenters and Sky News presenters just did their jobs just for five minutes. It would end because it's laughable. There has never been a more far-fetched story than the COVID-19 pandemic. It is a nonsense, isn't it? I have an audio bank full of clips from the last two years that regularly reduce me to tears of laughter, even though I've heard them thousands of times. It is a nonsense. It's 23 minutes to the top of the hour. This is your Richie Allen show. It is yours. Thank you for supporting it. I'm Richie Allen with you till seven o'clock. In about three minutes time, I'll be taking your calls. If you got through to me on the phone in just before Christmas, please don't call today. If you've never called me before, please do so. Here are the details. You can call me by Skype or by telephone. If you're calling from outside the UK, probably best that you use the Skype. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Loads and loads of brilliant guests coming up this week on your Richie Allen show, but it's your turn today. The phones will be open in two and a half minutes' time and the Skype. Look forward to hearing, I look forward to hearing from you. So do get in touch between now and 7 o'clock. There's Dennis Waterman. Good evening. Dennis Waterman and I Could Be So Good For You, the theme tune to The Great Minder, are for daily. George Cole, remember that? Fantastic. They still show episodes of it on ITV4, I think. I think it is. Call me and, as I said, if you are an NHS worker and if you had been dreading the vaccine mandate, the jab mandate in, you know, fearing for your job for your financial future and you'd like to talk about that uh, plenty of time to get through to me, I've given you the contact details, it's 0161818 if you're calling me, but chat with Richie, all one word, Richie is spelled R-I-C-H-I-E chat with Richie I think we have Eva or Eva on the line, hi Eva Hi Eva, hi it's now, you just need to turn me off because it sounds like you're listening to the programme on the same device that you've used to call me. That's a good time to point that out, dear listener. If you're calling me from a phone or a tablet or a laptop and you've been listening to the programme, basically close my website or whichever platform you're listening on 
and then we can talk. I think we're good now. Is it Eva or Ava? Hello? Are we back? Are we in the room? Hello? Hi, Eva. I tell you what, that line is really, really bad. So I'm going to close out of it and I'm going to call her back because we have plenty of patience on this programme, so we do. And see, can we get a better line? Eva, how are you? Eva, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Um, well, the floor is yours. What, the line isn't great, but we'll bear with it for a moment. What would you like to say? Uh, I tried to contact you, um, I think, in December on one of your phone in. Right, the line is terrible, Eva, so this is what you're going to do. Text me through the Skype a contact telephone number for you. And I promise you, in about five minutes' time, I'll phone you. I'll call you back. The line is terrible. And uh, we'll, we'll do it over the telephone. How about that? Yeah. You see, I'm a stand-up guy, me. Straight to the mobile phones. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking to? Okay, one second. Take your time. And then he's gone. This is, I tell you what, this is going swimmingly, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, be jeepers. Shall we go third time, Lucky? Shall we? Shall we? Uh, Before we go third time, Lucky, let me play the sting again. The sting again. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Ah, sure, you can talk to me now. I tell you what, folks, I don't have a producer. I have no producer. I have no editor. I've just taken Eva's number and I'm calling her now. It's like a live radio show, this. Hello? Eva, you've won the car. How are you? We're, we're there. Oh, we're I'm back. Fine. Oh, that sounds, I'm fine, thank that, you. That sounds a thousand times better. You're very welcome mm-hmm. to the programme. Where are you calling from, by the way? Uh, I'm very close to you, actually. I'm from Rosendale. Oh, you're in Rosendale. You're only around the corner. Yes. Just around the corner. Um, I tried to contact you, I think, in December. I sent a few emails, but I'm pretty sure you you overwhelmed with all the emails you get from other people who have day problems. Through the website, yeah. Um, it's, it, it, it often escapes me when people send stuff through the website. But look, we're, we're chatting now anyway. What, what would you like to say? Go ahead. It's not exactly about NHS. To some point, it's, um, it's connected. Um, well, maybe let me, let me try to go straight to the point. Um, I work for one of the supermarket chain, and I uh, had injury. I had bison tendonitis, and I was um, I was helping myself with cocodamol. Um, I was um, well. The cocodamol, after you know months, um, stopped working for me. So I went to my um, doctor. And she prescribed me Tramadol, which is an opioid. Um, I got addicted to it. And then uh, down the line, I um, got pregnant with with a baby. And uh, well, b- before that, I took myself off uh, antidepressants and Tramadol without any, any problem. And then um, the the baby was born. Um, and, you know, carrying the baby and I, I got my problem back with, with my arm. Um, so I start taking cocodamol again. And as you know, it's an opiate and it's very, very addictive. Um, 
I tried to do something about it and uh, I went to the doctor and she said she can't deal with me so she sent me to uh, another organization. Did she say why Eva? Did the doctor say why she couldn't deal with you? Yeah because I was taking such a big dose that she said she she can't help me even though I asked her uh, to literally, uh, you know, I, I was willing to do something about my addiction. Um, and I was in quite miserable state because of the family, you know, uh, problems. And I thought I'm, I'm going to change something in, with my life and wanted to prove my husband that um, I, I want to change for better. So um, she sent me to another organization and to, to my surprise, well, first of all, the, the, I asked the doctor, my GP, to literally monitor me um, and make me appointments and maybe start reducing and go create some plan together. And I will be, you know, following the plan. I just want somebody to look over me and check. She said she's not willing to do that and she sent me to another organization. Um, the other thing is just to, you know, to let you know, I never done drugs. Um, never in my life. I never tried anything. This was the first time. This was the first time you became, you became dependent on, 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 on medication. And can I ask you this, Eva? Look, we'll we'll take as much time as we need here because I'm fascinated by this. I've heard of opioid addiction before, and I think yeah. once or twice over the years I might have taken something like cocodamol, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. would have been warned by the prescribing doctor at the time to be very careful around mm-hmm. it. Can you explain to me, I'm not in any way now trying to embarrass you at all, um, mm-hmm. can, can you explain to me, how does a person become addicted to the opioid painkiller? Can you explain? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first, as a like a normal, any human being, you go and take paracetamol ibuprofen. If that doesn't work, you start taking both of them together. And then you start buying bigger boxes. So it, should, you, it will be over the counter from the chemist. So, at, you know, at one of the, my visits to the um, chemist, he just suggested, one of the, you know, suggested that maybe you should start taking something stronger. And they told me about cocodamol. And bear in mind, I start taking cocodamol before it was labeled as addictive. Right. So there was no warning or anything. I was taking that. Well, I I work for more than ten years, and and I was taking that instead because you know everything was more important than my health and family, etc. It, it, it's just how you put everything else. You put it. You put everything yes. else first before yourself. Yeah. Now, so if there had been an a, a warning, if somebody had said to you. Eva, these things are, are dangerous and you can become addicted. You probably would have said no to them, even though you were in extreme pain with your bicep injury. I mean, you, I'm not a person that will not turn up to, to work. I wasn't just, well, I was deputy manager. So I knew how, you know, some of the supermarkets uh, work on very li- li- limited, um, with very limited employees. Yeah. So if you... If I'm running the store and somebody will call me, oh, sorry, I can't come in, we're in trouble because we need to do things faster and even more efficient. And everything is to the, to, you know, 
point out to the minutes how long you're supposed to be on certain work, you know, job, doing a pallet, you know, morning yeah. delivery, uh, etc. So, uh, well, I, I am I'm not the person that complains um, and make big fuss about it. So I will just take, um, you know, a painkiller. I don't have time to go to the doctor. And to be honest with you, the only time I went to the doctors is when I was pregnant, just to check if, if the baby is growing uh, well in, inside me. So I'm not the person. So I will just take a painkiller and, and just go on with my life because I'm not, the, you know, the most important person. You've never taken drugs before. Fair play to no. you. Neither have I. Well done. But you became dependent on this um, cocodamol and then tramadol. Uh, this is fascinating yeah. because this has been in the news quite a bit in the last six to eight months, particularly in the United States, about these drugs yeah. and what they do to people. And the fact that the manufacturers of these drugs, Eva, they knew that these drugs were highly addictive and dangerous. We, yeah. might, we might come back to that. So you, you, you asked your doctor, you said to her, look, can you give me a bit of help here? Monitor me. Maybe I can come back in yeah. a few times and we'll lower the dosage and you'll give me a hand. And she said no. Absolutely not. No, and yeah, and you know, to my surprise, I, 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 when I spoke with her and I said, look, before I, I was, I think, 28, and um, I, I have already two kids, and I really wanted another one. I, I don't know, middle age crisis, I, I don't know. Um, but I was able to take myself off um, antidepressants and trauma, though, without any to be honest, like side effects without, you know, to be in pain or anything like that. So I knew um, that I am, I am able to do it. And um, I just, I was really in a really fragile state. Um, well, let me tell you what happened. My, my son ran away from home and I, as a parent, I'm, I am blaming myself. So I thought I maybe because of, you know, um, of my addiction, because if you take strong painkillers, you, well, I didn't take them to get high by, you know, taking cocodamol, uh with, with such a big doses, it makes you physically sick and weak. Um, so that's why I went there uh, to the doctor and she just, she just completely ignored me. She said, well, it's not like I can't do it for you. And when I went to that organization, I was literally ashamed of myself that I am, and don't get me wrong, every people who is addicted to different substances, they might have their own problems. So I'm not, you know, looking down at them, but I felt really ashamed of myself because I was, I was surrounded by people who were using, you know, street drugs. Right, right, I get you. So you were sent to a yeah. place to, um, which was catering for people that were taking heroin, um, yes. crack, that sort of stuff, like like, like deadly yes. stuff, yeah. Yes. Serial drug um, abusers, we'll say. Like really serial. And yeah. you, by, by just looking at them, you could say, you could, you could, you could tell that they are, they, they are addicts. And what were, you, um, what were you supposed to do there, Eva? Was it supposed to be some sort of group therapy or something? Well, they, they asked me to do, well, first of all, you get, a, well, I got only one appointment with a doctor, um, which I went there and they, they tried to make, uh, I think, ask me for counselling. But 
I am really, first of all, I am very, uh, I'm not very social. I'm a very private person. And as you can hear from my accent, I'm not, you know, English is my second language. I'm Polish. Um, so I thought, I don't think that anybody will get my problems. It's just like a different life. Um, but the second thing is I done counseling course. I finished it so I can I can do that for people. So I know how it works. When did, you, when did you do that? When, when did you do the counseling um, training? Um, I, I came to England in 2004. No, sorry, in 2008. And although I had uh, some English, uh, well, my parents pay for my private lessons because they thought it will be a good addition to my education. Um, I, 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 well, I become pregnant almost straight away. Um, and uh, with my husband, I've been married for over 20 years. Um, and I thought instead of rely on everybody else, I would go to you know, uh, adult education center, and I will um, get my English better. So I am more independent and because I'm grateful to be in this country. So I don't want, you know, to, you know, to get other people so involved around me. Fair enough. So I went to adult education center and I did um, English GCSE and um, it's ESOL, I I. I, I as I remember, so English for second, you know, um, as a second language. Fantastic. So and, you, can, and, and you ended up doing a, a course in, in counselling, in delivering counselling. In counselling and I did math. But the, the thing is, um, I am a teacher. So I did already in my country, I finished university. So, so it was like... So you were teaching, me, you were teaching uh, in Poland before coming here, right? I get you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a fascinating story, this now, right? I don't want to lose any of this. So, so you get it. First of all, I don't know if you know this, but people who need counselling on the National Health Service, even before COVID, they can't get it, Eva, because there is such a shortage of, of people to deliver counselling services. It's a huge no, problem. I, did, I didn't know that. And I, I know this because I know people, I know personally, I know people who've needed some counselling, who've needed it, and they've ended up having to go private, which can be very expensive. So um, mm-hmm. th- there's always work for qualified counsellors, just to put that out there, if that was something you might look at I- yeah, in, in well, the future. Yeah, I look into it. <laughs> you might look into it. But look, let's get back, let's get back to the present day now. Is, you, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned your son left home, maybe because of his concern at your condition. No, because no. It it wasn't no it it wasn't about um, concern. I think he he was born in Poland, um, and it's only me and my husband here. Uh, I don't have any family. I don't really have any friends here. So we we from start from the beginning when he came to this country, we had really hard life. He well, I I became pregnant, and we decided that um, we don't want our child. Uh, well, it, it was my second child. You know, my my son was born uh, in in um, in Poland. So when we came, my son was three and a half years, and then I became pregnant, and I have a daughter, and I we we said we don't want uh, our children to be raised by strangers, and. Um, I 
I was staying at home raising a child and, you know, going, bringing my son to school so he can pick up English and, um, you know, go mix with other people and be more comfortable. Um, and I think what year it was. Sorry, I came in 2004 and then we decided that it will be better for us. We were living in Manchester at the time in Open Show. So if you you are from Manchester, Open Show is not the greatest. Well, um, there are there are nicer <laughs> neighbourhoods. That's that's as diplomatic as I'll as I'll be today. There are nicer neighbourhoods, but then people in Open Show might say, "Well, you live in Salford. You can't be throwing any stones in our direction." Oh, well, but but I hear you. Yeah, difficult, difficult yeah, to be yeah. there. Difficult I for, mean, the, for the, the for the for the sun. The first night we slept in, we got the key from Housing Association House, and. The first night, our car was stolen. So on night on one, my, so that was a nice welcome. That was a nice welcome to the northwest. But yes. but I've got, I've got to ask this right. We will come back to the opioid thing in a minute because it's very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why does a university graduate, a teacher, why do you leave Poland? It was more family matter, and um, my husband's family didn't really like me and they really wanted to take our marriage apart. So we left to just, you know, to be together. I I don't want to get into... No, no, you don't have to get into that. I'm I'm just establishing that it wasn't necessarily economical reasons. Fair enough. No, 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 no. To some point it was because they were messing around about, you know, our life, our work, et cetera, et cetera. So we were were pretty lucky... um, that, you know, uh, Poland uh, joined European Union and it was like a sign from God. Fair enough. Here you go, you can, you can be as far as possible from them so they don't influence you. And you can, and we just started our life, you know. I um, get it. Now, I'm going, yeah. to move, I'm going to move it forward because I, there, yeah. there is a queue of calls of people waiting I'm to get so on the program. So I want to, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm interested in this. If I wasn't, I'd, I'd move on. Yeah. Let's come back to the opioid thing. I believe yeah. if it wasn't for COVID the opioid story would be the biggest story in the world. It would be the biggest story in the world. And there's a great, um, there's a great kind of, I don't know, I won't say segue, there's a, there's a great kind of meeting of issues here because mm-hmm. the same companies who manufacture opioid painkillers, the same companies who we now know, they knew the, the drugs were deadly and were highly addictive and they released them anyway, or they... They, they got them on the market anyway, by hook or by crook, usually by crook. They get these drugs on the market through lobbying, uh, through bribing and stealing, the usual nonsense that we know about big pharma. It's the same companies that are pushing these COVID jabs at the moment, but we're not here to talk about that. Let, let's talk about the opioid addiction. How, where are you now with that? How, how, how have you moved on? I, are, have you I moved will, on? I've been clean for... I think about three years and I will never ever take it even if I will be you know in agony and you, and you did that by basically going cold turkey did you no no now now I can I can tell you I went to that organization and I literally asked the doctor there um, to the same um, I asked for the same plan that we can you know they can monitor me and I will you know um we will withdraw, you know, um, I'm going to take less and less, 
you right. know, within a week, and then we're going to reduce the the, um, the dose. And he said no, and I was a bit baffled. And he said that he the only thing that he can help me with is to prescribe me uh, <laughs> even more addictive um, and the stronger uh, painkillers. I think it was Espronol, um, which people get to get off heroin addiction. Not only that, um, I learned after um, after you know the the whole thing happened. He put me on the highest those he could even even prescribe me as as legally prescribed and after the first dose um, well you need to go to the chemist because it's classed as a drug you know that you, you, you can't take it home so i went to the chemist and i took first dose and i i didn't like how i felt so i called called uh, a key worker because it's only one um, appointment with the doctor. I called the key work and I said, I really don't like how I feel. I never done drugs. I, I didn't take cocodamol or tramadol to, to get high. And I asked to prescribe me the smallest dose they can give me. And they wanted me to stay on that for three months. So, so you need to get really, really addicted to it. And then they win you off. So they wanted um, you to get but, addicted to something else, in effect, and then try and wean yes, you off of that. much, much stronger. We're talking really, really strong. And somebody is okay. paying for these drugs, because, again, this other drug would be manufactured by the same pharmaceutical companies. Yes, yeah. And that's the moral of this story, really, isn't it? When it comes yes. down to it, that you've got doctors in this country prescribing opioid medications for people, knowing that these things are incredibly addictive. And, and that for many people, they're going to find it next to impossible to, to withdraw from them, as you obviously did. So, so three years later, you're, you're clean and free then, Eva. Yeah. I mean, that must the, be yeah, the, well, my a relief to say started, the least. My problem started, and that's actually why I wanted to call you, the, you know, the opioid is just, you know, a, a surrounded story, why it happened. Um, so on the first and the only appointment with that doctor or, you know, consultant, they call it, um, he, he actually ran after me and he said, please, can you call the VLA and inform them that you're going to be on that drug? And I just look at him and I said, they're going to take my driving license away, isn't it? And he said, no, 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 they're not going to. Uh, it's just, you know, in case of any accident or anything happened on the road. Um, you're, you know, you will be covered. And I called, I think the same day, um, that was, that was three years ago. I called, that was, um... This is the organisation responsible for driving licences, so you contact them and you tell yes. them that you're taking this medication. Yes. And, and the doctor the said, don't person, worry, you won't yes. lose your licence. Yes. But... And the first, the first person that I spoke uh, with the VLA, he said, oh, they're going to revoke your driving license or what? Um, the driving license. And I said, no, my consultant said I'm, I'm safe to drive. But anyway, they send, the DVLA sent you papers. I fill up the papers. I actually went to the doctor because I wasn't sure about, you know, names and of, of the drug and his name and the full address. So I went there, um, uh, went to Accrington and he filled them in. 
and we send them. And, and to be honest with you, they wanted me to stay for three months on the highest dose. I reduced the dose to the smallest one. And I, and I said, oh, I'm not going to uh, stay on it for three months. And I stay on it for a month only, and I requested that I want to go through the detox. The detox, I, I, I can't even describe it. I, I can't. I, I never felt like, like this before. It's, I'm not going to even go into it. They just gave you um, ibuprofen, buscopan for your you know, stomach cramps. Um, so a cocktail of drugs. Relief. So, yes. you, so just another cocktail of drugs, basically. Yes. I'm not yes. laughing at, at you now. I'm laughing at yes. just the silliness of it. Just another basic yes. basket of drugs. Here you go. Yeah. To deal yes. with all the and side it effects. Like, it, it was wow. like, a, like it, it looked like massive shopping bag of, of what they gave me to cover my symptoms of, of, of withdrawal. Symptoms, symptoms, side effects and all the rest of it. But I got, so I got off. And I started my detox on the same, oh, it was, no, I, I finished, no, wait. I stopped taking that drug he prescribed me. And the day after that, or when I finished the detox, no, I finished actually the detox. And the following day, I got um, paper, well, a, a letter from DVLA that they taking my driving license away for a year. And is that um, is 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 that the situation now? You you don't have a driving license. I still haven't got driving license. They took my driving license in um, July two thousand nineteen. No, and you still don't have it. And I when, still haven't got it. When do you expect to get it back? I don't know. I'm. I am. Um, I am in the middle of. Well, I, you have to go through the steps. You, so first right. you complain to the complaint team but in DVLA, then you complain to chief executive. So there's then, there's there's basically a, a, a kind of a series of stages you need to go through. And let me ask you, Eva, before I do move on, because I've got to take other calls here, I've got to be fair I to do. other callers. Just finally, um, presumably when the license comes back, I don't want to depress you now, but I'm going mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. Your insurance premium is going to be sky high, isn't it? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. You don't even want to my, think my about husband, it. My, my husband is uh, having me on his insurance. He's got his own company, so I, I don't know. You don't know. I think the, 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 the moral yeah. of this story, I think, from what I've heard from you, and I'm, 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 I've been fascinated listening to you, is that... I mean, look, I've... Yeah, I've had. Well, I can tell you what the moral. Stay story away from stay away are, from opioid medication, right? No, the the thing is, if you are not truthful, you get better. You get better uh, in your life if you don't. If you just don't expose yourself, because if I didn't, the thing is, I found on the internet that you need to stay on any medication for at least three months. To inform DVLA, and nice. I wasn't. I wasn't put together with people who have serious addictions, and I wasn't. And today I spoke with DVLA. They have such a vague, you know, way of doing things. They they just don't care. They just put you. They tick boxes, and they they don't care. I'm still waiting for. <laughs> on October, I was. It's bureaucracy. Uh, no, 
It's, you know, Eva, I, I tell you what, I've got, I've, I've got to move on because I, I, there's a massive queue of calls here. Uh, so I've got to take more calls or I'll be, I, I'm not being fair to, to, to other listeners. Genuinely fascinating to hear your story. Um, if you see me in the distance someday around Rossendale, around Salford, uh, give me a wave and we'll have a chat. Nice to speak <laughs> with you today. And thanks for phoning up. I, I've just got to move on. Um, really interesting that I said earlier and I meant it, if it wasn't for the COVID thing, the opioid scandal would be the biggest story in the world uh, to this day. It's astounding. I've read so much about it in, in, in recent months and uh, even before the, the, the whole COVID thing, reading about the about class action suits in the United States by people given that stuff before they were putting warnings on it. Um, at a time when the manufacturers of that medication or medication like that, knew damn well the medication was deadly and it was highly, highly addictive. That was Eva there. Uh, 11 minutes past the hour. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie. Long-time listener, first-time caller. How are you? I'm not too shabby. Who am I talking to? Hi, hi. My name is Dean Pillars. I'm calling from Cardiff. Lovely to speak with you, Dean. Uh, On the eve of the Six Nations rugby, are you a rugby man, Dean? Oh, come on. I'm from Wales. Of course I am. Do you're you know, the inherent, is, is inherent in us as, as well as shagging sheep and Absolutely. the <laughs> And here's, here's another gross generalisation. I, I bet you you can sing as well. No land of no, our fathers today, though. Blood, there you go. <laughs> Lovely to speak with you, Dean. What would you like to say, mate? You're, you've got the floor there. Okay, my friend. Basically, been listening to you uh, for about three, four years. And what I'm talking about... What I'm looking at now is where we actually are within our lives and where we are now, the government system and everything that's above us. And we're all, we're all lost. We're all completely lost. So what I've done, um, by the way, I'm a Michigan-trained chef. I've got degrees coming out of my bloody arse, advanced food hygiene, I'm a uh, level three advocate for children, stuff like that. So I've got, so my, my key uh, issue is our research. So this is what I've come up with. Now, this is not, this is not all my own work. Um, it's like the five or six prepping stages where we're going, where we are going to end up, or where we're going to go. So I kind of minimise it down to like five or six key points. So the first one, uh, this is not what I believe. This is what the internet saying, and you know, lots of lots of things now are in public domain, and it's it's kind of all there if you really do research. So the first one I, I I've come up with is the alien invasion. So we look at the alien invasion. So it. Are we all getting vaxxed so they know where we are at all times? We also know the, the graphic uh, oxide. You are, if you link the graphic oxide to the black goo, which is a discovery now in South America, blah, 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 we could be primed for an alien invasion. Second point is... Hang on a second. Let's, let, let's stay with the first point. Jesus Webb, hang on a second now. So there, there have been claims that the jabs contain graphene oxide. Yes, Number has, one. Yes. Now... Listen, I'm not being an arsehole here, but I've got to say this. Um, yes. The manufacturers of these jabs categorically deny that the jabs contain graphene oxide. Yeah, they, but you look at Madeline, um, uh, uh, scientists in America and South Africa, they've actually got vials of this and they put it in the um, microscopes. I mean, there is so much evidence. The, the thing is, is, it's the media blocking every single person to goes off narrative, as, as we damn well know. So what they've actually done, they've actually got a vial of this vaccine, they put it, you know, from Medina. But here's a simple question for you. We have 1.2 billion 
vaccines available now spread across the world. When the hell do they start making these vaccines? 30, 40 years ago, there's a brilliant post. It's by um, Professor, Professor, oh my God, I want to think Carhill, but it could be with Doris Carhill. Anyway, Doris Carhill, yeah. hang on, hang on. So, so you don't believe that they've had enough time to manufacture as many jabs as they claim exactly. are in existence? Okay. One point, yeah, so there's 1.2 billion out there now. They've actually done, um, is, it, it's through Stu Peters' uh, radio show. They actually kind of, sorry, I don't want to uh, advertise another person. Oh, you can uh, if you want. I've never heard of the guy. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. Go on. Stu yeah, Peters, so, um, you said. Never heard of him. Go on. Yeah, so there's 1.2 billion vaccines available now on the market that's ready to rock and roll. Now, if they, they'd have to have, get this, every single chemical plant on the planet producing even if they produce one per second, it still take 30 years. How do we know that? How do we know you'd need to have production working at that speed to produce 1.2 billion? How do we know that? Okay, well, what we can do, we can analyse this by saying how, how quick can they uh, manufacture a, a pharmaceutical product? So let's look at um, paracetamol. Okay, they cannot manufacture paracetamol one per second. It's impossible. Yeah, we know if you look at the, the five product, uh, what I consider the five chain cycle to how you actually get these products online. So first of all, what is the medium that actually they're, they're producing these vaccines in? What is the medium where you're talking vats and vats and vats, you know, like like yeah. a microbrewery, like like a like a pure brewery manufacturing this now. That's what I've seen so, on television in the last 18 months, uh, uh, Dean. Yeah, I've seen these great, great big vats. Mixing. There's only this. Five, there's only, there's, they've only, they've only admitted there's only six of them around the world producing these. Now these six, right? There's one in India, there's one in the UK, there's two in USA, and there's one in Russia, which is doing the Sputnik vaccine. Which, by the way, the Sputnik vaccines have no side effects. It's cleaning up bloody everything. But then again, we, we can say it's Russian actors, you know, interfering with us. Blah blah blah. Like yeah. they, they do now. The uh, the the uh, They're all. I think today when they said it was was it's Russia interplaying now with our thing. Yeah, let's blame the Russians. Let's blame the Russians. Now, we're going to war with U- Ukraine. What are we going to war with? Hang on a second. Russia? Hang on. You're, you're, you're like my best mate from back home. You jump from one subject to another at the speed know, of life. I sorry, yeah, yeah. And, and, sorry, and you're, sorry, you're like yeah. my old pal, David Icke. David is brilliant at doing that. Right, hang on. Yeah. Let's stay I, with gonna, the... I was good friends with David no, many minutes ago, but anyway. Dean, let's stay with the great big vats that mix these yeah. horrible concoctions. You say there are six of these gigantic containers around the world and only six. Only six. That's all. If now you know, at, um, you know a lot more than I do here. I'm, I'm, I've got to defer to you because I know nothing about this. So I'm taking your word okay. for it. And you're saying there is okay. no way they could produce so they, many they jobs produce all this. in that they time. They can produce 1.2 to 1.4 billion vaccines. Now Pfizer actually did uh, back in 19, uh, yeah, 19, uh, 1996. They introduced their first vaccine center, which is in Maryland. Uh, New York, uh, that, that one of those kind of Maryland's own state. So it was there. They, uh, in 2019, they're actually building a second plant. Now, if we take all these vaccines that are produced by all well, five major companies, where the hell are they producing them? So you, so there are there are a couple of possibilities. Either one, well, they're 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 lying, and there are not 1.2 billion jabs available. Or number two, there are 1.2 billion. In your opinion, then that must mean they began making these sometime before the whole COVID thing. 
Well, it comes down to how you actually perceive this. You know, if you go to the alien invasion now, you know, we can also talk about Project Bluebeam. Well, let's yeah, let's, let's stay with it because we, 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 well, stay with you for another five or six minutes, right, yeah. Dean, if you don't mind. No problem. So let's stay with yeah. alien invasion there. Now, Jim Mars, rest in peace, one of my greatest friends in, in, in my media journey. Again, you're looking, yeah, the, the trillion dollar uh, conspiracy, was, alien agenda, yeah. unbelievable. So Jim used to say to me, Richie, and I used to laugh at him because Jim had a great sense of humour and he didn't mind having the mickey taken out of him. He used to say to me, Richie, I'm telling you in the future, do you know what they're going to do? And I used to say, what, Jim? Because he was a genius, Jim Mars. And I trusted him. He said, uh, they're going to fake alien invasions, Richie, to keep people in mind. Project Bluebeam. If you, if, you, if you have a look at... Um, but how could they possibly do that, Dean? And what's the relationship with the vaccine? Right, if you have a look at uh, Chinese New Year, Japanese New Year... London New Year, you see where they were actually, they were all holographic projections, either from TV or, I suppose I've got a couple of friends around the world and they said to me, no, we actually saw that. So you've seen the great whale uh, going around, uh, was it Beijing? And then he saw the rocket take off and all that. Apparently that was true. That's what everyone on the ground saw. Now, we could say it's a TV production, we could say it, it is... Okay, well, it's like 9-11. What you actually saw is not what you actually meant to see. You know, you saw a building blow up, but on the TV news, you saw two planes go into it. So if you actually look over the holographic projection, again, Project Boobie, I mean... I don't believe any um, of this now, Dean, and that's not to disrespect you. I don't believe a word. No, no, of course. It's just my opinion. And it's only my opinion, too. It doesn't mean I'm right. I just don't buy it. Go on. Yeah, okay. So my third uh, uh, idea when you look into the COVID vaccine is, okay, so the financial market and the Great Reset... We gave, uh, in 2008, we gave all the banks and we just totally decimated our own economies. We gave them trillions and trillions and trillions of pounds. They made the same mistake in, do you know what's happening? Sorry, I do jump. I do apologize. That's so late. So if you look at what's happened last year and 2019, what's called the repo market, yeah, which is where it reinsures all financial assets across the world. Everything, you've got the SWIFT accounts, you've got BIS, um, Bank of Inter- International Settlements and all that, right? They reinvest their money. They pay 10% of their premium to what's called the repo market. The repo market has class, uh, cl- uh, class, uh, sorry, has crashed. We now own 24 trillion pounds. Who the f- who the bloody hell do we owe that money to? Yeah. Who 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 will we actually owning this money to? You can't see the Rothschilds anymore. They, we know there's 13 bloodline families, and the Rothschilds are not mentioned in any of them. They're just a front again. Um, so, the, so, so, the, so, so the UK government is in is in is in is in it up to its neck uh, to the tune of well, about two point four, two point five trillion pounds at the moment. No, isn't no, no, it? mate. Uh, Britain, um, what, what they eighty five percent of GDP every, is the debt at the moment, or something yeah, like that. What every government does, they set up. As soon as they come to power, they set up what's called a transnational limited company. So, uh, it would have been. When Britain was in power, it was called UK Limited. Then when it's so, it's a, if you go to company's house and type in UK government, you will actually get the actual company come up as listed as this country. It will cost you 38 quid. You can see everything that this country does. But what they also do then is they bankrupt us every four years. So we set up a, a PLC, then they bankrupt us. Set up a PLC, bankrupt us. This is one of the, the little tricks. Um, if you look into, again, I studied the law inside out and everything. It's 
it's kind of horrid what they do. So when they actually do this, um, all the uh, MPs that get called to states of office get automatically uh, diplomatic immunity. Okay, this is why Michael Byrne couldn't go arrest uh, Michael um, uh, Hancock last year. He has diplomatic immunity. He could. He couldn't. He couldn't because he was lying through his teeth. You're you're talking about this this guy. No, no, no. Again, this is just just a theory. I'm I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to crash myself. Yeah, it's just a theory. Why you can do yeah. it? Because I've spoken to him. I said no, but there's a, there's a lot of rabbit holes that people go down, and and you well, know, it, when when you know when, I mean? when when people like what's the guy's name? Bernicia is the guy's name. When they make claims about yeah. arresting Matt Hancock, these guys are basically well, well, they're, and 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 they're they're fully aware these guys that they can't arrest oh, of course they are. Matt Hancock. These it's guys like, are all like about a, clicks and money, yeah, and um, taking people down rabbit holes and basically parting people. You know, from, from basically taking people's money, guys like well, Bernicia and his you, mates, you morons. Called, under, yeah. under equity law, you have what's called uh, liable responsibility. So you can actually go to you. This is what the law says. You can actually go to the prime minister and say you've not acted in equity law. We will now search you because you've not done this, that, and that, and the other. It's never going to happen. We'll just sit in court and they'll just push it down the line for another two years. Dean, ultimately, what's happening? So, look, we we can simplify this. This is this is basically this is one hundred and one stuff. Um, yeah. Financial collapses are orchestrated for a number of reasons. Um, of but, course. And and the most important reason is 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 financial collapses lead to asset grabs. And the transfer of real yeah, wealth, wealth yeah. real wealth, yeah. which is land, of course, which is utilities, everything that should belong to the uh, to the people of any given country, people get poorer and poorer and poorer. And okay, let, so, let me, let, I tell you, sorry, sorry, Rich, I wanted to disinterrupt you there. One go minute. on. Right, okay, what, what's, what's happened to Wales now? We've been called, this was announced, uh, I would say last Wednesday in Prime, Prime Minister's Question Time or the Wednesday before. Um, now, Wales has now been declared a free port. So, London, if you look under the uh, Corona Act and the Public uh, Health Bill, to the Corona Act now in 19, uh, 2020, they have what's called a nautical system around London. Okay? So, everyone in that system then is under what's called amity law. That's well documented. You know, anyone who wants to research that, I, I suggest they go and click on um, Corona Act. Public Health Act 1984, and look for the nautical, uh, the geographic of where uh, London sits and what we do. So what Boris Johnson announced last week was Wales will become a free port. By the way, we just discovered three trillion pounds worth of gas and oil between Ireland and Wales. Now, what the government used to do, if you look at Dubai, I, I worked out in the Middle East many, many years, love the place, no crime, beautiful people, absolutely stunning place. What they do, they pay, they will pay the Qatar £250,000 a year, give them a, like Gaddafi did in Libya. That's their, their trial, their, their people. A year. You're breaking up I a second. Hang on, Dean. You're breaking up a second. Just to go back to the free ports, you, you were breaking up a little bit there, mate. Um, Sorry, mate. The, I'm racking my bloody brains here. You're catching me on the hop on my first day back after illness, but I'm going to, no, I'm going to meet yeah, you. Hang on, I'm going to meet you. No, no, you're, 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 you're whacking bits of information at me and you're challenging me. Uh, free ports. As far as I understand, the government has named a few free ports. Uh, and yeah. a free port yeah. is a place where uh, trade can happen, goods can come in, goods can be manufactured, uh, yeah. goods can be exported, and there wouldn't be tariffs. There wouldn't be, be no normal tariffs, customs no checks. And this is, this is so to do can, with Brexit, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so no, it, yeah, because this is one of the reasons we, it was a banker's idea for us to get our Brexit because the, the European Union wanted to levy a 2% charge on every single thing that the, bank of, um, the City of London did. So they, they were going to lose trillions. So Wales are now being classed as a free port. So if you, if you follow the, the line, so every free port that's ever been in this world, Hong Kong, Dubai, Singapore, okay? So it means your goods and trafficking of goods has no, um, in, yeah, I'm trying to think of in law now, no, Kaveska Qualitas. So it means it has no, uh, amity law doesn't exist, common law doesn't exist. It comes in the enterprise free zone. If you look at China, when they did it with Shanghai, they did it with Beijing, and they just suddenly all created these wonderful free zones where everyone just do. What's the problem with it though? Give me the headlines. Why would why would anybody be concerned about that? I'm not saying that I'm not concerned about it. Why should people be concerned about the creation of free ports where standard tariffs are 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 not required and where custom checks are not done? Why should people worry about that? Well, because you know I'm, I'm Welsh. Um, I got I was in the no, I was in Bahrain back in 2003, and I had one of the, the CEOs of a very major. Uh, oil corporation he told me very very clearly buy everything from Pembroke to Cardiff he said buy everything because that place is going to go mad we've just had announced now in Wales that our coal is going to be back for uh, mining again so this makes all that bloody thing in uh, Edinburgh well, what uh, Glasgow where they went they're COP26 why the hell they saying this when they just they, they, they're granting licenses all over the bloody country Cumbria's had another license extended, or actually they can re- remine there. Wales has been told we can remine. Yeah, but they won't gas. though. But this is the thing: they won't mine in Wales. They won't mine in Cumbria either. I'd bet my last fiver with you that won't happen. Okay, so if you look at, I'd like it to happen. Plan- I'd like the mines to be yeah, reopened all over the world. Planning, go ahead. As we know, a uh, planning permission goes in and takes about three years. They're already doing this. They've discovered three trillion of gas and oil between Ireland and Wales. Now, what should happen in Wales is that we all get, a, like Alaska, you get paid 28 grand a year and you're all happy. Yeah, my thing is, because it, it will be uh, counted as the Queen's coast and the Queen rule will come in of the Her Majesties, that that money will be siphoned off straight to the crown protector of the world. You know, it's like, I don't believe Wales will benefit. We'll have, the high, we'll have, we'll have a New York skyline, but we won't have the benefit of it. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the yeah. So the the same will happen in Ireland. You have got Waterford, and you go down to. Cook. He's breaking up there a bit. Dean, you're breaking up. Look, just before I move on, right? What no will problem. any What will any of this matter ultimately? I'm going to give you the final word here. When When it comes to the Great Reset and the plans to reduce um the to reduce. I don't know the human experience to basic slavery, where you where well, you will own. Human, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me sorry, ask the fucking sorry, question before you jump in. <laughs> sorry, mate. God. What um what and I've got a big grin on my face here. What difference <sighs> will any of this stuff make? National boundary, sovereignty, free ports. If the architects of the agendas we discuss on this program get their way and human experience is reduced to nothing more than slavery, you'll be happy with nothing. You'll get a universal basic income. Um, you will eat what we tell you to eat. We, yeah. we, we will punish you through a social credit system if you don't conform, yeah. if you don't do the right thing for the planet, for the climate, if you're not a good citizen. None of this stuff will matter. The stuff, you know, that we argue about, you know, Brexit, you know, free trade agreements, yeah. NAFTA, uh, TTIP and all that stuff, it won't matter, will it? 
Well, basically, what's going to happen now, if you look at Facebook, it's turned itself to Meta. So you, you can already see the VR. Basically, if you remember the first Matrix film, you, they'll, they'll give you two choices. You either stay in what we consider uh, the reality of Earth, and you'll just be, like I say, a slave. You're given a thousand pound a week, a uh, thousand pound a month, but you won't be able to eat this or that. Or yeah. you can you can connect to this VR, and then ev- all your bills. But in this VR, you can go and climb Mount Everest. You can go traveling through the stars. You can go traveling wherever you. You can do ev- You want to be the superhero of your own life? Well, here's a great question on that. If you remember Steven Spielberg's adaptation of the of the novel Ready Player One, in yeah. in the film. People actually worked inside the virtual reality program for wages. They would do, mate. Uh, do you do. actually yeah. see that? Do you see a bloke sitting at I home or a woman? I think we'll get, we'll, get, we'll get given a choice. You either stay on the scorched earth, you know, like uh, as in the Terminator and fight, and they'll, they'll make it so bad for us that you will willingly, conscientiously, and with consent, walk into a virtual reality world. Utopia. Utopia is inside the headset. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to create, because right. it'll make it so bad on to live on this world. Even though this world is bound to fall, you know, everyone you know argues about the Garden of Eden. This is the Garden of Eden. You know, it's just a stage of our souls to expand. They, it, we've been hijacked. We have been totally hijacked. You know, it's a devil. Yeah. I don't know if it's a bloody alien invasion. I, I haven't worked that far out. But they will make it so bad in the next two years. They won't rush now. I mean, the COVID narrative is falling apart. And don't forget, they can run two brainwashing ideas at the same time. So they either got to go with the Russian narrative and forget about COVID, or they'll go with the climate change and forget about COVID and Russia. They can't, you, as like Gorbel says, you, you tell a lie repeatedly enough, it will become truth, but you can't run two lies at once. So they ha- if you notice now, what I, t- I truly believe is so they're coming back now on the COVID virus and they, they yeah, don't want yeah, we're all fucked up, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, oh, Russia's our next big enemy. I've always said, as soon as the COVID virus scam goes, it'd be World War III. Right. Or World War IV, because we're already living in the World War III now at the moment. It'd be World War IV. I mean, look at the Ukraine and Russian situation now. Belarus is uh, arming itself up now. We could who the hell wants to fight Russia and China? Who the hell is Ver- stupid enough to fight those two? Absolutely. Very quick final question, as quick as you can. Um, how advanced, I don't know because I haven't, I haven't looked at one of these headsets for several years, and the one I looked at some years back with a Galaxy uh, phone was very average. How advanced are the virtual reality headsets and, 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 and I don't know, uniforms or whatever? How advanced are they now, Dean? Um, if you know? look at uh, Japan, they have what's called five century pro- progressive pro- um, progressive uh, prophecy, not prophecy, uh, prosthetics. So you'd have a sensor on, on your two hands, your two legs, and one on your mind with the VR. And these guys are, are submerging for three months. I mean, it's, it's all out there. It's, it's all there. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Japanese Cyber Cybionics Limited. Well, a corporation, that's not that they don't have limited out there. They have what's called a corporation. If, you, if your listeners go and research that, what they'll find is when they go to, the, if you look what Japan and these guys in Dubai are doing, you can literally walk into a mall and you will see a leaping um, whale, a leaping yeah. dolphin. Yeah, I'd love it, to experience it. It's, it's already there. Not, not because I'd like to have anything to do with it, but I'd like to see just how advanced it is. I'd like to get the latest headset, put it on and just have a look and uh, and have a have a look at it. Dean, lovely to talk to you, by the way, in Cardiff. Who have you got at the week? Off. You've got us at the weekend, haven't you? You've got the Paddies, haven't you, in Dublin? 
We've got, yeah, we have, haven't we? You're yeah. in Dublin, that's Look, right. Should what, be good. What, what, what do you reckon the score? I don't know. Ireland are, are hot and cold, aren't they? They're either fantastic or they're not great. I don't know. Uh, It'll yeah. be a narrow win either way, I reckon. Oh, yeah, definitely, mate. So like I say, you know, if you if actually can consider everything that's out there now, who's to say we haven't got a headset on now? Imagine. If you look at the, hol- the holographic um, symbiotic relationship we have, uh, Professor Blumenthal did a brilliant three-day uh, seminar on this. The Th- rules that govern a holographic world are exactly what we're living under now. On that bombshell... It- Dean, good to yeah, chat with you, you, mate. Very much. Thanks, buddy. Good to hear from you. That was Dean there. I, look, I'll, I'll do another phone-in later in the week and I'll do it properly. <laughs> All right. I'm only back. You've got to forgive me. I, I, I normally take far, far, far more calls than that. And I know a lot of you have been trying to get through and I apologise profusely to those of you who haven't. We'll write it off. We'll do We'll do another one. Maybe, maybe on Thursday we'll do another one. And I'll be pretty strict with the... Uh, with uh, the time kind of a thing. It's exactly 26 minutes to the top of the hour. It's Monday's Richie Allen Show, the 31st of January. It's a pretty cold one in the northwest. Not icy, but pretty cold. We've got Keely on the line. How are you doing, Keely? Hello, I'm well, thanks, Richie. How are you? Asher, I'm still alive. Where are you? Where are you in the country? I live near Brixton in South London. Near Brixton. So presumably, I shouldn't presume anything. Uh, We've mentioned him a couple of times. Old Ikey was in Brixton a few years ago. He gave a great talk down there. Were you present? I wasn't. You know, I didn't have a clue about what the world was really like up until April 2020. That's when I realised what was going on. So I hadn't even heard of him before then. Fantastic. So April 2020 then. Wow. Yes, that was the day I dived into the rabbit hole with both feet and it's life hasn't really been the same since, to be honest. Why? Why did you do that? Was it because like everything happened in March and were you uncomfortable in March as to what was going on? No, I believed all of it. I was in it hook, line and sinker. I was going to the local shop with the gloves and the mask. I believed everything. And then um, I got furloughed from work. I'm actually a farmer rep, believe it or not. No way. I am. But You're Jezebel. I can't believe you have the balls to come on this programme. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> it's a small family-owned business. It's Fair not enough. Big Fair enough. Um, but I understood the regulatory process for the vaccines, right? I understand how medicines are regulated. So I'd started work for a new company. As I say, they did, they had, it's a small family-owned company. They didn't have a presence in the UK. And we didn't have a sales pipeline. So myself and my colleagues were all furloughed on the 1st of April 2020. And I had eight weeks off on, you know, um, on the furlough scheme. So I had the first time in my lifetime off to actually look at things. And it was actually a friend who I have in L.A. who I met at Burning Man a few years ago. I was kind of saying, oh, my God, this is a crisis. And thank God, you know, we haven't got Trump at the helm, unlike you guys. And he was just like, "You're, you're, you're just brainwashed by the media and sent me loads of information and then with one of my nurse friends from work, who was also furloughed, uh, yeah, we jumped into the rabbit hole together with another good friend of ours. And that's when we discovered that things weren't quite what we thought they were. Very interesting. And you mentioned in that um, answer, you mentioned about vaccines coming to market. And even in April, even in May 2020, they were talking about doing something that had never been done before and that was getting a vaccine to market within a few months. Did that give you a bit of a red flag too? Absolutely. So it was probably about two weeks into April that I was really aware that there was a problem. 
the first couple of weeks I was just enjoying the good weather and redecorating my patio and painting outside and you know doing everything that because we had nice weather then the first lockdown um but obviously because I had, had all that time on my hands people were sending me stuff particularly this friend of mine in LA and we started looking at it closely and because we understood the trial process because we're regulated by the association of the British pharmaceutical industry the fact that they were openly talking about the medicines into the general public is a big no-no you're not allowed to do that so that was what really picked our interest and we started watching London Real and then I discovered you thank god my lifeline Gail's lifeline up in Scotland hello Gail if you're listening how are you doing Gail <laughs> we discovered you I think May June 2020 yeah I'm glad you found I'm glad you found the program because that's a big no th- thanks for saying that that's a big deal that it was for me as well I mean anybody who's ever done a little bit of investigatory work whether it's journalism whether it's research it was easy Keely to find out that they don't get jabs into people's arms as quick as that and that it, it normally takes five to ten years they've got to look at long-term data so if I'd never been doing the program even before that I like to think I'd have been really concerned about it. And I would have been, well, really? Jabs? MRNA so quickly? And, um, so, so it, that's- was, it, it was shocking because even devices, even medical devices, which aren't classified as a prescription-only medicine, that can take five to seven years to get an, um, a, 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 a proper licence, not an emergency use licence, obviously, which the vaccines have got. So, yeah, that was the red flag. And then that it was the vaccine narrative that then led on to everything else. And that's when we started to see the whole massive spider's web of lies that we live in. Now, when you get to this stage, when you start to see things differently, I'm not being diplomatic when I say that because, you know, I've got friends and family who don't see things as we see them, but they're not stupid people. They just don't see things as we see them. So I don't like to be arrogant about it, but we see things differently. At the point when you do, first of all, we get excited and we, we start to talk to people. And that can be problematic, particularly in interpersonal relationships. Did you have any such problems in the middle of 2020 with people? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's, it is sad. I mean, luckily, I'm close to my stepsister. So I've got an older stepsister and a younger sister. But my brother, um, it's driven a big wedge between us because it really has. I mean, we haven't really been close since. Well, I haven't seen him. I saw him very briefly on Christmas Eve because I dropped some Christmas presents around that I promised I would for my mum. But I haven't really seen him since August 2020. I think he finds the fact that I've been outspoken on social media and stuff quite embarrassing. But I can't keep quiet about it because I can see that, you know, people, a lot of people have already been harmed or died from these vaccines. So it has been difficult. And my regular group of girlfriends, there's about 15 of us that have been really good friends for about 15 years. And thankfully, one of them, Ridgeway, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> the two of us realised, but the others, most of them are all vaccinated. So it's been really difficult and quite tragic. It's been upsetting, but I've met so many amazing new people through this. I just feel, yeah, I feel like I'm a different person in many respects, but also exactly the same. It's completely changed my perspective on things, obviously. Really interesting this. now mentioned earlier on in the programme, it seems that little, just little cracks are appearing in the mainstream media's narrative around the jabs in terms of we are hearing people openly talking about serious injuries on national television and radio. I'm delighted about that, but I, I also don't know what's going on, you know, because they're usually better 
at keeping that stuff off the air. So I don't know whether I should be delighted, Keely, or whether there's something else going on, something a yeah, bit underhanded, I mean, you know? We, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I've had many a conversation over the last few weeks with a lot of my friends that I've met through the movement and my, my good friends from work that are awake, Gail, um, what is going on? We don't know. What's the next move going to be? I mean, we know that the, you know, the social credit score is the end game, but they haven't locked us down. So I think the regime have played a blinder this winter by not locking us down because, you know, our fellow countrymen are, to a large extent, although they might feel something's not quite right because we've not been living under tyranny like they have in Canada or Australia or Austria, you know, they're still quite oblivious to a large extent. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to throw at us next and how they're going to do it, I think. But I feel like, like you, I'm quite confused by it all. Yeah, me too. Right now, if, if you just, just look at it right now, look at it kind of dispassionately, it looks good. Um, yeah. They're saying that this Omicron thing is very mild, it's no big deal. They're definitely going to announce before Thursday that, the, the vaccine mandate for NHS staff and for care workers is dropped. I'm delighted for, for, for people who haven't been jabbed and who do work in the NHS. That's lovely. The, it doesn't look like there'll be any more restrictions, at least this side of, I don't know, next winter, maybe. So it all looks on the up and up, but yeah, I still don't buy it, any of it. Same. I'm exactly the same. And that was one of the things I wanted to mention when I did the phone in. I mean, I think the NHS is finished and listening to your first caller... Uh, a good friend of Gail and ours actually was rushed into a hospital a week before last, which I won't go into details on because obviously that's my friend's personal business. But she was actually sent home with um, she was sent home with a bill for cocodamol. On <laughs> she left Chertsey Hospital. You're kidding me. Yeah, she really did. Uh, but I forgot where I was going to go with that. It was something about the normal, the, the everything sort of feeling like it's going back to normal. But I don't think it is. That was it. It was to do with the care home staff. I think if the NHS mandates have been dropped for the hospital workers, I think that you know we need to put the pressure on now for all the care home staff to be reinstated that that was sacked last October time or whenever it was. Because I mean, there's going to be so many old people not getting the care that they deserve that have paid into the system for years. So I think that's something that we need to closely look at. And also, I've heard and seen things on Telegram today and over the last couple of days about potentially them trying to do a trucker convoy here in the UK, starting at Murrayfield Stadium in Scotland and ending up in London. And I just hope, although I fear it will it will fall flat on its face in the UK, because as we've just said, a lot of people still are oblivious or feel like they're free. Some, some impressive spectacle that, though. 50,000 people in trucks to... To, to head for the the official residence or at least the political residence of the Canadian Prime Minister. That's astonishing. And and for him for him to, to kind of hightail it out of town, wife in tow, again, I'm not trying to virtue signal here. We, we don't want people to be terrorised. We don't want wives and girlfriends and husbands, you know, to be to be scared. But but still Trudeau is is a tyrant. There's no other way of describing it. So, so it's great to see that, isn't it? But can, can you answer this now for me? I mentioned this yesterday on, uh, on, on the, the, the music thing I do on Sundays. I mentioned this. People fear that, though. I, I love it. I see what they did, and I love it. I'd love to see it happen here, although I agree with you. I don't think it would take off in that way here yet, maybe. I love it. But people fear it, Keely. They they fear the vacuum. So it's like, yeah, wonderful. Travel en masse in big convoys and 
exile the tyrants. Lovely. But then they say, well, who steps into that vacuum? And you know what they think? And I know this because I've been doing radio for, for years and years. I've interviewed a million people. They mm-hmm. think skin-headed thugs will step in, scumbags. Violent people will step in uh, to, to, to claim that vacuum and they'll be worse off. That's what they fear. I, I just... <sighs> I don't know. I think we're in momentous times at the moment, biblical times, right? I mean, the spiritual side of me going a bit woo-woo is like, well, new earth, whatever you want to call it. But we can't keep living under the constraints that we've lived under for millennia without realising. So, you know, is it a psyop, the trucker thing? Has it been set up my heart of hearts? No, I don't think it has. If it has been, well, hopefully it's united Canada and that it's actually had the adverse effect than what the controllers were hoping could it trigger food shortages I mean I'm seeing all sorts of things all over telegram but change has to start somewhere and at least these people have been brave enough to actually put their heads up the parapet and stand together so can I just jump in there can I jump in there and say this excellently put by the way I, I, I despair at people who look at these things and say, oh, it's engineered, it's staged, it's false, like, it kills me. Just because some bloke doesn't believe in the Great Reset, just because some woman doesn't think social crediting is real, that doesn't mean that those same people are not appalled by vaccine mandates. Jesus, they don't have to agree with you on everything. Absolutely. I, it's like there has to be, you know, there's polarity yeah. in every situation. Absolutely. You know? So, and I've got a, a friend, another friend, actually, that I met at Burning Man, and she's a healer and a psychic. And I always thought to myself, I knew I'd met her for a reason, but I didn't know why. So if you're listening, Nyabi, hello, love. Um, and she says it will get as bad as it needs to for more people to realise. So everything has to play out. I do believe because of this polarity, whether it's been engineered by the controllers or not, you know, and if and if something hasn't been, they'll try and hijack it anyway. It's all in line with the divine. And I know that sounds woo-woo and I can't believe I'm saying it because, you know, like <laughs> I only realised spiritually three years ago, about a year before 2020, that there was something kind of else out there, which I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. But I think this all has to be seen and change has to start somewhere. Is my heart, you know, my heartfelt thoughts on it. So before that, were you kind of pragmatic in your approach like me that spirituality wasn't a thing for you back then? Because I would have been like that. Do you know what? I didn't give it loads and loads of thought. I would say if people asked me, they would say, are you religious? And I'd say, definitely not. Because we lost, I lost my dad in 2004. So I was always very much of the thought, you know, if there was a God, he wouldn't let him die and he could have saved him and all of this. And I've done a complete 180. I understand, you know, it's not as easy. It's not as simple as that. Um, so I, I, I had a, an epiphany because I'm a big fan of the law of attraction. I do believe positive thoughts. you like, you create your own reality and I used to play around with it with car parking spaces and I mean I never it doesn't matter how late I am or where I'm going if it's raining there is always a car parking space exactly where I need it to be and this had this realization in like January 2019 that there was mo- there was something to that and I just decided to live my life being grateful and mindful and and then bam 2020 came April and then everything else kind of slotted into place for me. Just as we're speaking, thanks for that, by the way, that personal insight. Um, It's just been announced, thanks to Spiro for this, I really appreciate that, Spiro. Um, Javid, uh, that's the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, has announced, yeah, that's right, yeah. (laughs) He's, He's just announced that there is a consultation on ending vaccine as a condition of of deployment in health and social care settings. So he's yeah. just told the House of Commons in the last uh, 15 minutes or so 
that they're talking about ending the the mandate. That's well, good. not before time, but as you say, I mean, for now, right? Let's see where we are in a year. Well, that's right, of course. It's wide open for them to bring back this whole scenario in the winter of 2022. That's, I should say, winter of late 2022. This year, they might say, God, look, there's another infection. It's terrible. This one is not mild. It's doing this. It's doing that. Um, and, 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 and I suppose the same methods, you know, ramp up the tall stories about overflowing ICUs, reintroduce restrictions and tell people they've got to have the jabs. It could happen again later this year. You're absolutely right, Keely. I, I, yeah, I believe you. I think that's where some of the NHS workers that haven't been vaccinated, you know, or they need to start speaking out, you know, or the ones that have been, that came along to the last protest in London, which I started giving up on the protest, to be honest. It's like, it was good to connect with people, but I do think that it is good for morale if you're feeling low. And obviously it's had some kind of desired effect because of the announcements this week. So... Well, I get that. You know, I, I I never explained myself very well over the years about the protesting thing. It's uh, my pal Gareth Ike says to me, "Look, Richie, that that energy is it's huge. It's vital in you know taking it away from Leicester Square or wherever you happen to be, Glasgow, whether it's in Piccadilly in Manchester, taking it away that 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 kind of re-energized feeling. I've never denied that. With with me in protests, it's just don't go home." Fair enough. That's Fair all enough. it's ever been, you know. Don't go home. Go to the places where these people live, like um, the, the guys in, in, in Canada, and put the run on them. Don't be violent. Don't be aggressive. Don't be abusive. Just turn up in great numbers. I don't know if you know this, but many years ago, in Ballymun, a suburb of Dublin, um, there were some drug dealers operating there. And they were the worst of the worst, you know, given crack to very young kids to get them addicted to it. And this was the subject of a great documentary one time. Um, a group of women, Keely, uh, hundreds of women, turned up at the houses of these guys who were doing this. And these guys were armed to the teeth. They were gun users. Yeah, I think I might have heard you say this because they yeah. were the mums, weren't they? Were they all the mothers? All the mothers. And they just got rid of these guys. They just ran them out of town. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, let's see. I think if... I mean, God knows how it's all going to unfold, but let's see if things do get bad and more people lose their jobs for things and food shortages, maybe. Maybe that'll be a tactic that they use. God knows. God only knows. Keely, brilliant to meet you. Thanks for um, for coming on near Brixton there. Thank I, you I, so much. Not at all. I hope we chat again. And uh, yeah, thanks for the call. Lots of love. Thanks, Richie. You too, Keely. Bye for now. That was Keely in Brixton. It's a Monday's Richie Allen show. Live from Salford. I'll We'll open the phones again on Thursday and I'll, I'll make sure that we get lots and lots and lots of calls, okay? I had about 100 calls come in there tonight. I was very interested in Eva earlier on in the opioids. That's an important story. Uh, is that it was nice chatting with Dean and Cardiff and Keeley there? But I want to get through, obviously, more calls. That's how it works ordinarily. Um... Oh God, I should have the diary handy. I keep saying this. I've got some great guests booked in this week and then I don't have the, the Bloomin' Diary. I only don't have the, the Bloomin' Diary. Uh, um, actually, look, you'll just have to wait and see. I was telling uh, my great friend Jean-Anne Crowley, in any case, I like to do things the very old-fashioned way. The old Gay Barn Radio 1 way. The old Late Late Show way. Where they never, ever announced in advance who the guests were. You had to tune in to find out. They wouldn't even announce the guests at the beginning of the programmes. That's how we did it. When I produced radio at the very beginning of my career in Waterford with my presenter, 
He never announced who was on the programme, even in the introduction. It was a case of, this is the programme, welcome to it. And then introduce somebody, interview, ad break, music, then introduce somebody else. So you had no idea. And that's the old school way, because it was believed you'll, you'll keep them, you'll keep them with you, because they'll be anxious to know who's coming on. Whereas if you tell them in advance, they might say, ah, I don't want to hear him, or I don't want to hear her, you know the way it is. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! The sound's terrible, the yes! picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk the Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Welcome back. Hi to Marcus. How you doing, Marcus? Thanks for your kind words there for Keely. Love this caller. She's getting loads of shout outs to her friends. That's the thing to do when you're on the radio. If it hadn't been for the the fact that I've done thousands of radio shows, I'd be doing that every show, shouting out to my friends. Not, not, not that I have legions of friends or anything. Bit of a Billy no mates me at the best of times. Uh, Dave says he played a few matches back in the day in the middle of the Ballymun Flats that are no longer. I think we used to call it the San Siro, he says. Is that right? That's very interesting. Now, Vicky says, I don't think protests make a great deal of impact on the whole, but I'll go to the march in Edinburgh this coming Saturday, mainly to be in the company of like-minded people rather than the muzzled sheep I'm surrounded by daily. That's exactly right, Vic. I totally understand that. That is why I have never criticised people for congregating at protests. I wouldn't dare. First of all, each to their own. And second of all, I totally understand that energetic aspect of all of that. I totally get it. So there you are. I, I probably don't have to keep bloody repeating that. Uh, so I won't. Jim says, perfect physiological warfare waiting till the last minute read the NHS jabs. Psychological warfare. Wait till the last minute is what they've done. And then at the very end say, ah, we weren't going to do it. We won't implement it. But lots and lots of people have had the jabs anyway. Uh, Jim's point, but they had to drag it out. It's pure evil, says Jim. It's dreadful, Jim. Craig says, positive thoughts can create your own reality. Zuckerberg has obviously been doing lots and lots of positive thinking. Mm. The, and, and Zuckerberg, speaking of Zuckerberg and Facebook, the metaverse is coming. And that virtual reality universe, that place you can go to escape it all. Like what Dean had to say from Cardiff, I agree with him. When I say I agree with him, I understand what he means. I, I've heard over the years people like the aforementioned David and others talk about make life unbearable, present utopia. Here is utopia. It, it is a headset and a bodysuit. Um, get into it and you will, really will believe you've been transported to another dimension, another world. You will for, absolutely feel you're there. You will believe it. Yeah, absolutely right. Indeed. Hi to Never Surrender. Hi to Tony, who was in his local Morrison's the other day. There was a mum there with two young kids all muzzled. I said to some bloke in the queue that I was in, that's child abuse, that is, 
uh, the guy went on the offensive, Karen in drag. <laughs> You've got to be careful about what you say and who you say it to. I suppose it's three minutes to the top of the hour. That's the programme for Monday. Thanks for being with me. Do it all again tomorrow, Tuesday at 5 o'clock UK time. I will have guests, lots of talking points, and uh, hopefully your company. So until tomorrow, it's bye from me. Closing out with this from Baccarat. Because why not? Take care of yourselves and one another. Bye now. And thanks to all the callers. Thank you. All three of you.